Hey guys, the following podcast is a Lady Gang Network and Podcast One production, which means it's going to be awesome. Ever wanted to break out of your cubicle and into a business where you can call the shots? You Break Guy Fix is looking for passionate self-starters interested in a franchise opportunity in the booming electronics repair industry. At You Break Guy Fix, we help reconnect people to the devices that they rely on so that they can get back to what matters most. This is a big responsibility, and from the moment you join our family, our franchisees are provided with the resources and support to bring affordable and convenient electronics repair to your community. Did we mention that with amazing partners like Samsung and Google, You Break I Fix franchisees also have access to the highest quality parts and personalized training out there, as well as specialized tools? It's true. And it's also easy to visit YouBreakIFix.com forward slash franchising and learn more about your big break at your very own You Break I Fix. Hey, group chat. I know y'all see my text. There's tea to be spilled. Each week, we're bringing you our unfiltered take on culture, news, dating, and our lives as Black millennial women. We're coming to y'all with the honesty and eye rolls that only a text chain with your girls can. This is Black Girls Texting with Chelsea, Glenn, and Shade. to another episode of Black Girls Texting. It's me, Sade Peasyham. Some of y'all really thought that was my last name. That's embarrassing. Glenn Pogue, the bed brat, and Chels Pinky. Hello, ladies. We are back again with another episode of Black Girls Texting. Well, that was fun. <laughs> I, love, I love bringing in the show. It really, it really brings me joy. Um, I mean, you're doing a great job. I mean, I just like to, to bring the energy, uh, even when it's falsified because I'm sad <laughs> but I want to know what is going on with you ladies I haven't really spoken to you guys so I want to know what you are leaving on red what you're replying to the juiciness in your lives because the group chat has been a little quiet on red or reply yeah well I'll go. So one thing I'm leaving on red is electronics and the fact that they're not all waterproof by 2021 I spilled a full cup of tequila soda and a splash of lime on my computer, (laughs) and it is currently flipped upside down. I'm trying to figure out how I can scam Apple and not let them know that it's water damage, allegedly. So yeah, I'm pissed. I don't understand why computers aren't waterproof. Like obviously people are drinking wine and typing out stories like, duh, why aren't they waterproof by now? And I am replying to Naomi Osaka winning the Australian Open. She is just a gem. Like, I'm obsessed with her. Of course, we all love Serena. And I don't even want to do the comparison thing. But I am so proud that there's another young woman coming up who is doing the damn thing. Um, I'm also laughing out loud at the fact that she you know at the end of her winning she asked the woman she played against Jennifer Brady she was like do you like being called Jennifer or Jenny the woman says Jenny and she calls her Jennifer anyways I don't know if it was shade or mis- or a mistake but I'm here for it either way shout out to Naomi 
I love her. I was trying to figure that out too. I was like, cause she just said Jennifer or whatever one. And then she said the other thing. And I was like, is she being shady on purpose? What I thought right. it was like an edit. Then I was like, well, maybe she just made a mistake. She's nervous, but it was also I know, it was probably she just, nerves. She's such a sweetie. Such a sweetie. But that she even took the moment in this, the middle of her speech in this fucking like stadium to pause and clarify the girl's name it was kind of nice, kind of, but the girl also looked so tight. They were like, they were like, it was in this moment and they like screenshotted her face of when the N word was floating around in her brain. Fucking Twitter. Did you see like the butterflies that were like landing all over Naomi Osaka while she was playing? It was so (gasps) gorgeous, literally gorgeous. And she just like took a, a, a moment and just like gracefully lifted them off her body and let them fly away. I'm just obsessed. And I know she like technically represents Japan, but like she always makes it very clear that she's also Haitian. She, at the last competition, she had all the masks of all these um, murdered Black human beings. And she was like saying their names. Like I'm obsessed with her. So shout out to Naomi. Fucking stand her down. Um, Uh, Speaking of Black history makers, um, I'm going to leave, I'm going to not leave on red. I'm going to reply to Miss Erica Hart's series of Black people telling Black history that Love she's doing. It. it is in fucking credible. Um, Erica Hart has joined us on our show. She also did a live show with us. We love, her. we love her. Um, go check out the series that she's doing. Um, there have been amazing topics. This one that I watched was on texturism. Um, there's one on um, colorism. There was one on um, trans spirituality, like so many different topics every single day. And it's all told through the lens of different experts, essentially. How did I miss this? Um, I My know. Instagram algorithm is racist. I think she's like very, very low key shadow band or possible. something. Um, it's so fire so fire um and then i'm going to leave on red these recent spikes in um hate crimes against asian folk which we saw a lot right like just after um covid really started to spread and i think was definitely um charged up by our former prez saying so many ignorant things stepping up onto podiums right um and I was reading a couple of things like this whole like our whole geopolitical sphere is designed so that we just look at Asia in a bad light for a multitude of reasons. Um, but there's just been spikes in literally like physical attacks in um, cities all over the country, in Chinatowns all over the country. Um, and I read this interesting article in Eater that was saying that as folks are trying to show that they're like standing in solidarity with Asian communities, they're like going to Chinatown and like ordering food and saying like, keep Chinatown alive, support your your communities. But all we're really doing is ultimately like using these these spaces, these communities and these people for consumption um, and not like really being allies and supporting them, um, which is which was interesting to, for me to think about in terms of the ways Black folk need support and how we've often been right. consumed. Um, so I just bring that up because there's lots of like overlap in our struggles in many ways. And, you know, I arrive for my Asian brethren. Glenn's back to tapping when she gets very (laughs) passionate. But um, yeah, I have also been seeing a lot of conversation around kind of dismantling this rhetoric around the model minority. And um, 
the racism in the Asian community towards Black folks. So like, I think now is a perfect time to have these conversations because if we want to be allies for one another, we also need to not be racist towards one another. Correct. Right, really. Like- and I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up, Shade, because I, and I'm going to be, you know, this is a podcast and we're honest and open. I was having mixed feelings. I was like, should I post anything about this? Like, because I don't always feel supported on the other side. Um, I I ultimately did post something about it, um, because obviously it's wrong and I'm just going to stand in my truth and believing that it's wrong. But I, I, I'm so glad you brought that up. This needs to be, it needs to go both ways. We need to have allyship, um, and support each other. And that's the only way you beat white supremacy. We can't do it, you know, in little vacuums. So hopefully people wake up. Yeah, I totally agree. I do, I do think that like, it's important that we just support each other across the board because we're not each other's enemy ultimately and now that you say that both of y'all bring this up a note for the future we should bring on some asian ladies at some point and have a conversation yes yes i I have many in mind and Mm -hmm. yeah i really like that glenn send the email right now sis because i'm like that would be an amazing episode um yeah we can have some real talk real talk like really get into it i am going to start with my red it's very short and brief um go to hell ted cruz like literally go to hell um, and and burn. He is the worst. Like literally don't understand how he could get worse. You know, like, cause he consistently shows his ass like week after week. And then in the midst of this crisis in Texas, your boy dips down to Cancun. Men says he was just taking his girls because they had the week off. And I'm like, that is not a good excuse. Like your girls, nobody needs to be going anywhere. Number one, Mexico that you talk so badly about. Now you're fleeing to Mexico with your family because there's no running water. Well, I'm sure his community had running water and, and they had everything good to go, but it's just so disgusting and so disappointing. It's like very frustrating to see that we pay taxes, we, you know, do all these things and the government is allegedly supposed to take care of us, but then you have to have GoFundMes and you have to have celebrity and you have to have us as a community helping other Americans when something like this happens. It literally does not make any sense to me. And I'm going to get off my soapbox, but I definitely do want to have conversations around the way we look at capitalism and socialism, because everything that we're doing right now in supporting one another and community is essentially socialism. So I don't understand why people have such a problem with it. And the whole reason that a lot of Texans have issues with their power grids is because there was this capitalist desire to literally separate the lines between Texas. It's, it's, it's absurd. And, and, and (sighs) wait, you brought up GoFundMe. So I just want to read this tweet real fast. Yes, please. Um, Millions of, yeah. (laughs) Millions of Americans are struggling to pay for life's essentials right now. Every day we see fundraisers for rent, utilities, and even groceries. But GoFundMe was never made to be a source of support for basic needs, and it can never replace the and it can never be a replacement for robust federal relief. So the way how I feel is it's beautiful that people are getting together and doing this, and that's all good and dandy. But what the f is the point of our government if we have to do this? Our damn selves, and we're paying taxes, and then I have to come out my pocket. Out my pocket. It's crazy. It's wild, Chris. What are you well, applying to, Shade? Oh, sorry, Glenn. Were you going to say? Well, I was just going to say, if if folks still um, 
do feel so inclined. And if you're in the position to and are able to give um, friend of the pod, Darkest Hue on Instagram, that's darkest.hue, has been putting together um, tons of slides of resources of, um, not resources, I'm sorry, she like put together kind of like a database of Black folks that are in need of help right now um, with their cash apps and Venmo information on there. So if you can give, if you're in a position to give, go check out her page. Yes, we love to see it. We love to see it. She's really doing the work that, oh my gosh, maybe the government should be doing. Ah, A concept. A concept. (laughs) Anywho, um, I am replying to a really fun weekend that I had I am smitten with a certain person that like it's so funny because he was like are you gonna talk about me on the podcast and I was like probably (laughs) and he was like okay well don't specify my profession so I was like okay I'll say you're a cyclist because at the (laughs) moment there was this man like biking near me so um I met this cyclist and I think he's really cute and I had some fun and I was like wow I like getting, you know, back out there, flexing that muscle and my sex appeal. So I'm replying to that for all you ladies who may have been in a tumultuous, crazy relationship, had a whirlwind breakup. um, You too can get back out there. And I'm here to inspire you today. Yeah, Shada, it's funny you said that because my, my best friend visited me and she's a single gal. And you guys know my mom. She always gives unsolicited advice. Yes. So my mom, love was, it. <laughs> my mom was basically like, you have one life to live. I'm not saying be crazy and be so risky, but you need to experience things and you need to go outside and you need to talk to people and you need to put yourself out there because if not, your life is going to pass you by and you're going to have a bunch of what ifs. So, yeah. And putting yourself out there is so key because like, I'm doing things now that I would never do like the way I like communicate. And I'm super blunt and honest about my thoughts or my feelings, which typically I'd be like, Oh, you can't, you can't say that. You can't like show your hand. I'm practicing vulnerability. Hashtag Brene Brown. Hashtag Brene Brown. (laughs) We love to see it, but I'm super excited to talk about our upcoming guests. But first I want to know, is anyone's do, 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 hotline bling? (laughs) Is that how it goes? Yes. Do, 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 do. I came. Do 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 do. Is that how it goes? No, girl, that's not it. But what's it, what's what's happening? <laughs> no, just very foolishly, very quick, very dumb. Um, this little uh, rendezvous that I had in Ghana like two summers ago that I don't think I've ever talked about in detail on this show. But <laughs> do not say your hotline is blinging from that man. I, oh, it is always blinging from him. Are you fucking kidding me? Still, consistency yes! all the time. Are you guys kidding? But. Um, he recently tagged me in a photograph of him and videos of him in the gym, like running on the treadmill, lifting weights and sweating bullets. That's <laughs> me odd. and three other women. <gasps> it's Ooh, just, it's a call to action. Crazy. <laughs> I love to see it. He's oh, trying to get like, you on the compound and the community. Right. He was just like, just in case you forgot, I'm in here getting these gains. I'm obsessed. You and these three other young ladies. I'm literally going to do that. (laughs) (laughs) He tagged me in his own damn pictures. I'd never heard of it before. That's iconic. And now Uh, I'm going to go post a story and, you know, like tag people behind the picture. And they're going to be like, what? I fucking dare you. 
I will. I absolutely will. I already have people in mind. Let's go. My good sis. That's a black girl doing shit. Okay. So our black girl doing shit this week is none other than the gorgeous Rachel Lindsay. Rachel Lindsay currently works as a correspondent with Extra, as well as co-hosting amazing podcasts such as The Bachelor Happy Hour and The Ringer's Higher Learning with Dan Lathan, which highlights Black culture, politics, and sports. She also co-hosts Ghosted, Love Gone Missing on MTV. Sis is booked and busy. In 2020, she created her monthly blog, Honestly Rach, where she delves into love, life, career, friendships, social issues, and everything in between, very much like our own group chat. If y'all do not know, Rachel made history as the first African-American lead in the Bachelor franchise, where she found love and met her hubby, Brian Abasolo, on the show. I hope I'm saying his last name correctly, your last name correctly. And on top of all of that, she's an attorney, a proud member of the Delta Sigma Theta sorority, an ambassador for the College Football Playoff Foundation, and a supporter of Paw Works. If this isn't a Black girl doing shit, I do not know what is. And without further ado, please welcome Rachel Lindsay to the group chat. We're so excited. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. You stay busy. I was like, oh, oh, I had to do the bridge version of your (laughs) bio, but we love to see it because that's what Black girls doing shit are all about. So... We're going to play a little game, a little icebreaker. I know you's a married woman, so I hope you're (laughs) down to play. This is is a a clean version for a married woman's version of F. Kill Mary. Give us a dirty version. (laughs) Well, because we're Black girls texting, we're going to do DM save block. Okay. So if you would slide in his DMs, it's like, you're cute, but it's like, whatever. It's just, it's the equivalent of an F. Okay. If you save their number, at least for me, when I finally save your number, I know it's real. That means I like you. Cause I just be having all types of area codes texting me. I don't know who's who. And if you're going to block, um, that is the equivalent of, you know, they're getting the chop. Okay. Correct. So these all have a little theme to them because I love a theme. I do a weekly trivia, so I think I'm rather clever. And listeners, play along extra points if you can guess the theme of all the men's. So first round of DM save block is Drake, ASAP Rocky, and Hassan Jamil, who is that Saudi Arabian wealthy prince man. I know what you're doing. You see me? Wait, is that the one Rihanna was with? Correct. Mm-hmm. The one everybody all thinks is Brian? I can't tell y'all how many people when Bri- Rihanna and him were together, they thought it was Brian and I. They were like, is this y'all? I was like, yeah. That's kind of amazing. <laughs> that is. I could see that though. Okay. I, oof. Okay, I'm going to block Drake. <laughs> Sorry, Drake. Drake. Okay. Block Drake. I'm going to DM Hassan. Is that his name? Yes. And I'm going to save ASAP. Interesting choice. I know. Choice. But you know what? To each his own. To each his own. I switched it up. up. (laughs) That was surprising. These men have all been seen, allegedly dated the gorgeous Rihanna. Uh, Next up. DM save block. 
Travis Scott, Travis Barker, Tristan Thompson. Oh gosh, this is a tough one. All right. I'm going to save Travis Scott. I'm going to DM uh, Barker mm. and I'm going to block Tristan Thompson. <laughs> that I can We're support. Easiest block right there. <laughs> We're all aligned. Um, I can guess I'll- this theme. Please tell us, Chelsea, what's, what's the theme? Kardashian lovers. Kardashian lovers. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> yes. Mr. Barker has allegedly been with uh, Courtney. Yeah. I'm, I'm into that. I'm here for that. A little yeah, bad boy. She likes bad boys. Okay. I know you like football. So I think you're going to get this one. DM, save block, Mark Sanchez, Eric Decker, Darrell Revis. Girl, me Googling these people, like, who are they? What do they look like? New York Jets. Correct. And they were all Jets at one time. So, um, okay, Revis, who was it? Decker. And Sanchez. I'm saving Decker. Absolutely. I am blocking Sanchez. Absolutely. (laughs) Revis. Oh, I love it. I'm on the same page. If yes. you're known as for a butt fumble, I got to block you. I can't be affiliated with that. My name can't be attached to it. Can we just say at one point, I almost got a Mrs. Sanchez like custom jersey and then like everything went to shit. And I was so glad that I never got that. <laughs> but like the Jets aren't good. Don't be rude. We've had, we've had our moments. We're it's not you're a good like look Cowboys, right now. Like a Cowboys fan. I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan, right? It's few and far between. When I go to the bar and I meet cute boys, I'm like, I'm a Jets fan. You know, I'm a good, loyal woman. Come on. <laughs> Actually, a really good line. Exactly. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, I'm so glad you played with us. That was, you know, a little, we like to play games. We like to break the ice, loosen you up before we get into the tea. So, I am personally a huge fan of The Bachelor, but I only started watching because of you. And now I'm into like all of it, the paradises, all the drama. But I would love to know, like, how do you think your role as the first Black lead on the show has changed the franchise, if at all? You know, it's funny because someone sent this the other day where they were like, the the day I was announced was like right around Valentine's Day four years ago. And then around that same day, you, we get what's happening with Chris Harrison, where he stepped aside. Mm-hmm. I didn't even put that together. So it's crazy how that turned out. And I'm saying that because when I decided to say yes, four years ago, around Valentine's Day, I never thought that I would be where I am right now. That's just in life. That's including being married. And that's also including like what's happening right now in the franchise and just kind of like the role I've played in it. When I, the reason I ultimately said yes was because I wanted to represent myself as a black woman to this audience who hadn't seen someone like this in this role. And I felt like I could do it well. I knew that that's what I wanted to do. And then I was hoping that by example, that it would open the door for other people to get their opportunity, their happy ending, um, their love story, or to showcase just who they are. And that didn't happen. I really thought just by doing it, I'd be the first to open the door. And then that was like, okay, you can see that this can work and everybody else will follow suit. I was shocked that 
after me, it went right back to business as usual when it comes to The Bachelor. And it was extremely disappointing. And over the years, I would be interviewed about something. I've always been outspoken. I was raised to stand up for myself and be that way. And so I would constantly speak out about the need for diversity and inclusion and things are staying the same. I spoke out at the way they handled, handled my finale versus Becca's right after me and how they you know, casted me or made me look like an angry black female with certain words that were said to me when I was sitting on stage. I've always been outspoken, but it was in 2020 when it was like, man, with everything that's going on, I think we all were like, what am I, what am I attached to that's not right? And I don't want to, I don't want to be attached to it anymore. So for me, it was the franchise. And that's why I spoke out and said, I don't want to be a part of this anymore. You know, what's the point? This was my purpose. My purpose isn't being fulfilled. So I don't want this anymore. And I was shocked at like the reaction that it had. And, you know, then we saw that they casted Matt James. Then we've had Tasha. They made an apology. I said, oh, my role. I always felt like my role was bigger than me. I was more than just a reality TV star. I was a first, which you don't have a lot of firsts these days. So I said, I wanted to make sure that I really, I really do what I, what I say I'm going to do. And I want to hold true to that even through these years later. But you know, even though they took steps and I feel like maybe we got a little complacent because we saw changes we had never seen before. As you see with what's happened this month, there still has to be change. Things still need to, you know, it's not over yet. And I think it's a reminder to all of us. And especially for me myself is don't get complacent. Don't think that the work is done just because some changes have been made. So I really feel my role is to open the doors for other people and seeing if you've been following everything that's been going on, seeing the women from Matt James's season come together and put out a statement saying, we don't want this. We don't stand for this. You've never seen anything like this before. And I feel like that's what, that's it. Like, I almost feel like you don't, you don't need me anymore because you have these women who have come together in unity. Nobody did that for me during my season. I haven't mm. seen that of the seasons thereafter. These women did that on their own. I didn't solicit them to do that at all. Then it had a domino effect from the men from Clarentatious season doing the same thing. And I feel like, okay, this was, this was what my role was supposed to be, to make other people of color feel comfortable enough to step out and be fearless and stand against injustice. Absolutely. And I really appreciate like you jumping right in because I know it's a hot topic. And I almost want to take Chris and his statements like, I want him to not be the focus. I want people to just really focus on how problematic his behavior is and the behavior that it incites around how we treat Black women in conversations, um, from microaggressions to people just outright being aggressive. Um, I'd love to know how you're handling that. And I loved that all the women came together and they posted that was super beautiful, but I can only imagine kind of like the burden you have to bear and people trying to make you out as this angry black woman, when in reality, people are saying crazy things to you. It's wild, you know, and I talked a little bit about this on my higher learning podcast, but I said a lot of people, there were some people who were disappointed at the way that I handled that interview and they wanted more from me. And I needed to explain why I was the way that I was. And when I talked in higher learning, I said, because people of color are not given the benefit of the doubt. I have to be damn near perfect 
to, for, for, to not ruffle any feathers. So I said, I'm going to sit here. I'm going to do my job. I'm going to ask the question. I might poke a little bit because I would do that with anybody who was um, the interviewee. And, and I'm just going to sit here, let him, let it being Chris at this point, talk and say what he wants to say. And, you know, we'll, I was shocked at the things that were said. Sorry. I was shocked at the things that were said were actually said in public. And, you know, it's even with me behaving and there were, I, I want, I want to give credit to people who were saying, you know, like the way you handled yourself, the professionalism, you know, not reacting is great, but it is amazing how many people just take a stroll through my comment section. Oh, we did. Oh, I have. Are calling me a racist and a bully and um, saying I'm hateful and I'm promoting cancel culture. Never have I said Chris Harrison should be fired. Never have I said he should be canceled. All I've called for is accountability, which he called for himself in the two apologies that he issued thereafter. So I just, I think that this is, sorry, it's never this bad. I think that this is what people really need to see is that if you break down my actions and what I did, and then you see the reaction that people have towards it, that's what people of color go through. You're not given the benefit of the doubt. You're constantly blamed. It must be something you did. It's your fault because how could this poor girl have done anything? I get, he was a good man. How dare you do this? No one is looking all this compassion and this grace and these words that are being thrown out that people want for one side, it's not being reciprocated to the other side. That is something that we are taught at a very young age. You know how it is growing up. You're taught you got to work twice as hard for half as much. That is ingrained in you. It's instilled in you. So, you know, for moments like this, it's hard. It's a heavy burden. But I also feel like I've, I've groomed for this. I'm made for this. And, and it's that motivation when I see those comments, when I see some of like the illogical things people say, honestly, all it does is light a fire under me and motivate, motivate me anymore. If, if people think by talking to me like that, that I'm going to run away and hide, you don't, you, you really haven't been paying attention to what I do because mm. if anything, I'm just like, thanks. Thanks for the encouragement and the motivation. There was a really dope piece. Um, I want to say speak Patrice is her Instagram name. And I don't know if you read it. Um, we can send it to you after, but she talked about the language around how Chris often would say, girl, she's a girl, she's a girl. And that, and the terms grace, like everything you spoke up and how that's not afforded to black women. A week or two ago, a nine-year-old was pepper sprayed by the police. A nine-year-old and was a nine-year-old black girl and was not treated like a girl. But when white women, white people do things, you see the language twist and language is so important in these moments. Like, oh, well, she was just a young girl. But we're not afforded that. Like we get hypersexualized and we get uh, adultification, which we've talked about on the podcast in the past. Like the minute you are five, six, seven years old and yeah. it, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, it is crazy. I also saw like this tweet and it, it sometimes you have to laugh to keep from crying, honestly. And it said, I don't think black women in corporate America receive enough credit for not knucking when their colleagues do in fact buck <laughs> <laughs> Facts. it's so true and i 
I, you know, when I, when I see moments like that, or I see the reaction that people have, I'm like, I don't know if they'll ever get it until you, you walk, you know, 10 steps in our shoes. You don't understand how our identity is almost predetermined or our personality before we even walk in the door. You know, you assume exactly how we're going to be and the way that we are, because as, as I keep saying, we aren't given the benefit of the doubt. Um, it's just amazing to me. And I guess I shouldn't be that surprised because if our country is split down the middle, then why wouldn't Bachelor Nation be split down the middle as well? It is truly right. half and half with the support that I'm getting versus the people, you know, trying to, you know, the things that they're accusing me of, they are literally being themselves. When if you roll the tape and if you actually check facts, I really didn't do anything here but my job. Yo, the man hung himself out to dry. He was just talking. He just went. Yeah. And it's so interesting. And maybe I'm reaching, but I'm kind of looking at this This instance is like a metaphor for a lot of these larger conversations we have about change and race in this country. Like, I think a lot of this backlash that some of these Bachelor viewers are having is because they're so protective of this show and how it's how it's operated for so long and how it's sort of upheld whiteness. And it's like, why is this getting ruffled? We want what we've always known. Chris Harrison's not going to be the host anymore. I don't like this. I don't like change. So then people are just getting pissed off. Like, and this is the same type of anger we see in lots of other spaces in our society where people are pissed that, that their comfort, that the thing that they've always known and they've always come to can't continue on because it's problematic because it's not right. right. Yeah. Speaking of which, if offered the position, would you be the new host of The Bachelor? Honestly, I can't even, I can't even go there. Cause one, Chris has only said that he's stepping aside. And, and to my knowledge, that's all that I know is that he's not doing the finale. It's hard for me to even think about being the host because a lot of things, in a lot of ways, Bachelor Nation has changed my life in the best way possible. But at the same time, it's really toxic. And it's really, really tough. And I don't know if I want to subject myself to that. Um, people are already, I don't know if I want to play into the, the whole line of thinking that people think I did this to get Chris Harrison's job. And it's so, it's so wild. When I went to do The Bachelor, I never thought I was going to be The Bachelorette because it hadn't been done. Like this shit had never been done before. Why right. would I think that I'm going to be the first? You don't go in thinking like that. Yeah, I went to go have an interview with a person to recap last night's episode. And I thought, you know what? Today's the day I'm going to try to take your job. What? How would I even th and think like that? But that's the kind of stuff that people say about me. So for me, you know, I, I really don't know. I don't know if that's something that's for me. Honestly, I could see them not having one at all. Like, should Chris decide to say, I don't want to do this at all, or I'm going to leave, my time is up. I could see them not doing it. I mean, pre-quarantine, he's barely in the show anyway. I think that they could do narration, bring in a past contestant. But for me, I don't know. And because it's so 50-50 on how people feel about me, I, I don't even really think they would offer it. Mm. I, just don't know. I just don't think that's for me. I think you'd be a great host. Me too. <laughs> yeah. I don't. And then, could I talk like this? I don't want to be muzzled at the same time. I think mm, that's really well, that the, part. 
freedom to say, you know, what, how I feel and to, you know, demand change and speak out. I couldn't do that the same way if I was the host. Um, but then, you know, on the flip side, if I was, then I could also be, I'd, I'd be a person in power who could say, hey, we need to do this. Hey, we need to do this because that's what I keep preaching more than anything. More than having a, a host replacement, it's you got to have somebody in power who's a person who's a person of color who gets it, who understands it. Because as we're seeing time and time again, even with the lead, you're still not getting it because we're seeing things happen that shouldn't. Right. With that, um, a lot of folks are assuming that Matt chooses a white partner, um, which I think one of you guys sent an article that he's kind of like upset by that. I'm not going to lie. I kind of assumed it too. Nothing well, wrong with it. I guess how it started it. off. It started off with him like precursing the whole event. Like, I don't want people to pressure me into picking right. someone of a certain rate. Like he set himself up for that, for that. I think he even just said a certain person. He didn't even like really say it. That up with yeah. I, I mean, I was outspoken about that, about Chris, a black man was explaining to a white man what it meant to be black wrong and then people said Rachel should have been in it wrong you can't keep having me in to have the black talks it just right. should have been Matt James in an ITM where you know like the where he's talking to a producer just talking about what this moment means to him and the significance of it not explaining to crit it just it was it's it set Matt up for failure I told Matt the same thing and I and I, I'm going to ask you guys a question because a lot of people do assume that they think they know what Matt's going to do and I'm curious, do you think that because of what other leads of color, myself included, have done? Because I didn't choose a black man. Taisha didn't choose a black man. Therefore, Matt James isn't going to choose a black woman. You over here segueing into our next question, but um, I'm not going to lie. It wasn't necessarily because of what um, I've seen in the past. I think it Oh, this is gonna sound. We know so bad. who he is. He gives off a little bit of like a broy vibe, so I kind of associated that with that being what he's comfortable with. But then at the same time, I was like, "Well, I can't put that on him. Like, let's see what happens." But these types of things are so. I feel for you. I feel for Matt because at the end of the day, you're under. A magnifying glass no matter what you do if he picks a black yeah. girl oh he just picked her because he had to be with a black girl if he picks a white girl oh of course if he picks someone who's biracial oh he's just caught you know like what what's a man to it's, do it's also so weird when you're black it's like you speak for everyone black and I'm like Matt James is a particular type of person like not every black man is relating to Matt James like we we talk about this all all the time like blackness is not one thing and so like this show is like he is the black bachelor like let's see what he's gonna do he's he's just matt james actually mm. i think that i was just gonna say i think that was something that was really powerful or potentially powerful about what he was trying to communicate in that moment is that he wanted the freedom to be matt james to pick whoever he wanted to pick but definitely the way it all came out left a bad taste in my mouth and i can't lie like there was this one moment and i watched the show off and on i think the girl's name is 
is her name Chelsea? The one with the short haircut? Yeah. Yeah. She came out and said something like, I want to make history with you. Like, you're making history as a first Black bachelor. Maybe we can make history together. And I was like, damn. I think that she said that. Maybe I'm putting that. Maybe I think so. And I was like, damn, that could be, like, very historic. Like, how amazing could it be to witness, like, a Black couple come out of this show? Iconic. Guys, I can solve this problem. (laughs) And Matt can just date me. And then there's no... There's no issue. You know, maybe he didn't find love on the show. And he was like, oh, I was listening to the podcast. This single girl, Sade. Listen, I'm just putting it out there into the universe. <clears throat> Manifestation. Maybe Rachel can help. I can I can put in a word, you know. I, I, we'll, see, we'll see what goes down this season. But maybe I could say something. You know, I, on one hand, I will say, as Black women, we always know when they're not into us. Okay. Now, correct. There is no science behind it. There's, I can't point you to a specific thing, but we know it's within us. We know. So I understand what you're feeling when you watch Matt, because we know when they're not necessarily for us. On the other hand, I'm very defensive over Matt. Matt and I are not the same. And maybe that's something that really bothers me too. Just because Matt, Tasha, and I are not alike. The only thing we have in common is that we were all on the same show and we're of color, truly. And I hate getting, think people think Tasha's like me or I'm like Tasha or Matt or vice versa because we're all very, very different. But what I do feel for Matt is that people met you for the first time this way. So for me, you met me on Nick's season. He's white. So you think I like white men. Then you see me go through my season and I pick Brian. So you think I like, I mean, Brian's Latin, but he looks white. So, you know, you think I like white men. Um, And I think that I used to get so defensive about that because if you knew me before, I never had really dated outside of my race. And so you you find yourself constantly trying to prove that like, oh, this, I'm more than just what you're seeing on TV, but nobody wants to give you that. And so I think we see a lot of Matt doing that as well. Like he constantly feels like, almost like I got a black friend. Wait, I know, but I dated these black women because nobody wants to give him the bit of right. feel for him on that, which is why, um, you know, I'm very, I'm protective over him. I, I also feel like there's another sensitivity, right? So like when a black woman goes with a white guy, it might be like, okay, yes, sis, like do your thing. But when a black guy goes with a white woman, it's like, you couldn't find a black girl. Like it's, it's just like a, an extra level of, Definitely. I don't know what it is, but you know why? I'll tell you why black women aren't adored. We're not appreciated. Yes. Look at the social caste system in this country. We're at the bottom. So when a white man who's at the top chooses a black woman, people are like, go ahead, sis. Good for you. You know, he chose you. I think that's kind of how people look at it versus when you see a black man go after a different race you think that they're trying to have their trophy or you know like they feel like they won that at least that used to be the sentiment that I would get from my black male friends who did date outside of their race you know it was like a prize almost I'm not saying everyone's like that but right it's complicated I also want to just like really quickly go back to the conversation we were having about Chris earlier because Demario Jackson recently said like no one really had his back when his whole situation was happening do you think culturally like the tide has changed like now people are more quote-unquote woke and willing to speak up about things Demario is different I you know I Demario may be right Demario I 
I don't know all the details of what went down with that. I do remember him being very critical of Chris. Like he was, when no one else was, he was. But at the same time, he was so critical of me in the media and would tell lies about me that for me, I was very dismissive on what he had to say. Um, I do think, I think people feel more um, empowered to speak out now because they have the ear and the eye of everyone. Whereas before you were, we were, people have been saying these things, just nobody was paying attention. Now that they are, you feel a little bit more protected like you can, and maybe you won't um, maybe suffer the same fate as you would have when people were looking at things through the lens of 2018. I'm <laughs> Come on now, because if I hear woke again, I might actually <laughs> scratch my eyes out. We should have almost played like the dictionary game instead of <laughs> DM block state. Somebody said that to me. They were like, black people don't even say that. Oh my God, it was so cringe. <laughs> I was like counting how many times he said it. And I was like, oh, oh, oh my gosh. On a lighter note, we would just love to know what you've learned through this whole journey. Is there any advice you would like to share with our listener? Maybe someone who's had their back against the wall, people coming for them, like how you stay positive and see the light at the end of the tunnel. I loved your very unbothered Instagram post, by the way. I was like, yes, please. Look away. <laughs> Look away. Um, you know, for me, for how I do stay positive, it's like a, a small circle of people I've trust who knew me before all of this, some new friends, but who get me, who don't judge me, who check me, who are there for, to listen to me, understand me. Um, family and friends, that really helps. Brian helps tremendously. And meditation, which is what you saw me doing, meditating, like that's real. That's how I center myself. That's how I refocus. I really, I did it before, but I really got into it during quarantine. Um, and that always keeps me grounded and helps me get back to what it is that I'm trying to do. As far as what I've learned, that's a great question. I mean, I've always, I've always been outspoken, but I haven't always been fearless. And when I decided to do The Bachelorette, that was me kind of stepping outside of my box. I always did what I was supposed to do. I was like, I'm going to go to this school. I'm going to major in this. I'm going to go to law school and then I'm going to be a lawyer and I'm going to work to being a partner. And I stayed on that track, but I didn't really feel fulfilled in my career. And I was too scared you know, tell my dad or someone else, hey, I want to do something different. Um, this doesn't really fulfill me. So I just stayed along doing what I was told, kind of living the life someone else, someone else wanted me to live. And when I decided to say yes to the bachelor, that was me stepping out um, of that box. That was me freeing myself. And I never looked back. And I always go back to that moment when I said no at first to The Bachelor, and then I ended up saying yes. And I go back to my why of why I said yes in that. And never looking back since and, and continuing to not act out of fear has taken me to places that I never thought that I would go, things that I never thought that I would have, an impact that I never thought that I would be able to make. And that is because I have not operated from fear. And I look back at what I've accomplished between 2016 to now, and I never would have done it if I was operating from a place of fear. So I guess what, to answer your question, what I've learned is, you know, like just to, to act on 
to, to do what, I, I can't remember who said this to me or if I read it or whatever, but it's like, you pose the question, what would you do if you weren't scared? Like, what would you do if you had all the money in the world? I feel like that's what I'm doing. I'm not acting in a place of what can happen. And part of it is just because I can't help myself, right? I don't know how to be anything but black. And so when people are like, how do you speak out? It's because I'm black. I'm not, I'm not an, I had someone in Bachelor Nation ask me, I won't name them. I will uh, ask me, are you, a, what should I call you an activist? No, I'm not an activist. I'm black and I cannot help and watch, help but see what's happening and not want to speak out against it. And it's because I've put that fear behind me. Sometimes I do get scared, but then I go back to that place in 2016, sitting in my office um, of kind of at a crossroads of, okay, I said no, but what if I did this? And what if I had stayed in this place? So that's really what I've learned through all, throughout all of this. Word. Oh my God. That's so powerful. Thank you for that. Yeah, I love, I love that. that. Yeah, I've, I've always been a fan from afar, but you really are amazing and very, very grateful because you're doing the work. And, you know, I think you have the eyes and the audience of the people who need to hear. So I am just sending positive vibes your way. Keep those haters blocked and blessed. And the people who are open to learning should definitely tune in to hear what you have to say. Thank you so much. Wait a second, is it bad? I don't like to block people because I want people to see how nasty people are. Oh, so like, well, I'm, I, I'm here for it. Ghost do, them, not, don't block them, ghost them. Ghost them, yeah. I'm like, look at, just look at, see what hate looks like. What right. you're me? No, 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 it's in my comments. So you don't turn those comments off? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I let them live. Give them um, strength. Give them the rope. Let them hang themselves. Seriously. <laughs> oh, Lord. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We are so, so happy that we were able to have you and have this open discourse. It was amazing. Thank you guys so much for having me and love what you're doing. Really thank good. you. Is thank there any, you so do, any sneak peeks? Any, any, uh, you, we, we know you said you don't know about being the host, but what else do you have up your sleeve? Well, let's just say there's a, there's some things that I haven't, you know, I, I, I'm in your ear in a podcast. I'm on your TV screen, um, with extra ghosted. Um, but maybe, you know, maybe you'll be reading something. Okay. We love to see it. I'm over here like, okay, you can hear, you can watch. We are, we are thinking about starting a book club. So let us know. Oh yeah, that'd be great. Yes, you're right, Chelsea. Oh my gosh. Well, told you what it was by you saying the club. I, just, I mean, <laughs> said reading something two and two together. Yes, I get you know like have my own column or something. You know? I just gave it away when she said the book. A little sex in the city. <laughs> you can do it all. We love to see it. Keep keep doing what you're doing, and you deserve all your flowers. And mm-hmm. Thank you for stepping into the group chat and spilling a little tea at that. Yes. And thanks for helping Shade and Matt James and their love story. Thank you for bringing it back. Thank you for bringing it back, Chelsea. Hashtag black love. Hashtag Matt was good. (laughs) Bye. Bye. What would you do? Or what would you do this week? It's short and sweet. Um, This is anonymous. 
well, it's a DM, but I won't say her handle. Um, but she says, hey, ladies, love the show and congrats on all your accomplishments. I'm so impressed with how you all have nine to five jobs, but are also following your passions of being podcasters. I have a great job and I love my team, but I really want to pursue my dream of being a photographer. The challenge is juggling, building my portfolio while working. How did you guys get started and stay committed? Any advice is much appreciated. Keep killing it. Thank you, darling. Um, anybody want to tackle this? Just one? do it like Nike. That's all I got. Just do it. Just do it. Not like Nike. You got to use your weekends. Even like as a writer, I have no days off. You just got to be ready to have no days off and find every single moment that you can to, to squeeze in the other work. And, and if your goal is to like leave your full-time job eventually and be a full-time photographer, then also put in the work um, like on networking and making contacts, finding gigs and p- putting yourself in a position to be able to walk away and have like contacts and contracts to rely contracts on. And contracts. Mm-hmm. Um, my advice is totally different. You can do both. Just don't really do your day job. Um, I feel like people do way too much work at work. It's unnecessary. Um, there are a lot of people of a different hue out here doing the bare minimum and getting praise. And you don't need to do all of that. Nobody said you have to be twice as good. Are they going to fire you? I doubt it. So just go in there, clickety clack, and then be like, I got to go and go take your pictures. You have a lot of doctor's appointments coming up. You do. You don't know it yet, but you do. I'm you really have um, a lot. You, you don't feel well. It's a pandemic. You you need breaks for your mental health. And in all those breaks, go take photos. Go do you. And uh, clock in at 9 and leave at 4.30. <laughs> good luck, sis. That's good advice, too, actually. <laughs> uh, clock in at 9.30. All right. <laughs> that, was, that was another episode. A black girl's texting. Charles Pinky, Glenn Pogue, where can the people find us? What should they be doing? Follow us on Instagram at Black Girls Texting. Email us at hello at Black Girls Texting. Our individual handles are Chels Pinky, that's me, Bedside Brat, that's Glennie, and Shadi, are we sharing yours today? No, it's okay. You can find me if you can spell it. Okay. Good luck. <laughs> Good luck. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thanks again for listening to Black Girls Texting. Make sure to rate and review this podcast wherever you listen and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Oh, and don't forget to text every group chat you're in and tell them to check us out. Follow your girls at Black Girls Texting and we'll see you next week. Bye.